Good morning and welcome to another Wednesdays in the Word. Hi, my name is Gary Cooney and I'm so glad you could be with me today as we continue our verse-by-verse unfolding of the scriptures. We're in the midst of an extended study of the book of Romans. We're in the seventh chapter. In the last time that we were together, we were examining chapter 7 verses 14 to 25. And we began that examination. There wasn't enough time to totally examine it. So hopefully today we can finish looking at this final piece of the seventh chapter of Romans. But to get us started, uh, let me read these verses to you again so that we can all have them fresh in our minds. Starting in Romans chapter 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I end up doing the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it's good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind, and seeking to make me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. (laughs) Now these verses, as we began to look at them last time, a fitting climax to our study of Romans chapter 6 and chapter 7 has been helping us to have a practical look at the very inner struggle that each one of us contends with as a believer. It explains a lot to us and God goes to great lengths to explain it to us so that we don't need to be confused about what's happening in our day-to-day walk. He explains to us about an inner warfare that's going on An inner warfare between the old man, the old self that we were, and the new man, the new self that we become once we turn to Christ as Savior. The old self, the old person that we were, has an ally in this battle with the programming of our lives, the habit patterns of our lives that have been built in both in the way we act and even in the way that we think. The outcome of it is that will end up now as redeemed believers, new people, thinking one thing and finding our bodies doing the opposite, or thinking one thing and finding our bodies fighting us to carry it out. And Paul summarizes that in verse 15 by saying, I don't understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I end up doing the very thing I hate. We don't understand ourselves. Last time we talked about that that verse and talked about this issue uh, not understanding means to be baffled by, not being able to make sense out of it. Have you ever been baffled by how day-to-day walk is unfolding in your life? I'm sure you have. All believers have. 
We all struggle with this question. Why do I stumble so often? Why am I inclined to think seriously about and give in to temptations when they arise in my life? How does this happen? And I said the verses here at the end of the seventh chapter gave us five truths to help make sense of it all for us. And we looked at three of these last time, and let me briefly summarize those before we move on. The first of those truths is that we come to understand our current life experience when we understand that God has actually changed us at our deepest level. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. The fact of the matter is, God did a miracle in you and a miracle in me when I repented and believed in the gospel. That gospel that, as we saw in Romans 1, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. The miracle that God carried out is this. He made us born anew. He made us new at the deepest level of our life. He changed us, to put it a different way, at our core. And therefore, at the core, at the deepest level, we now desire to please God. We now desire to do what he wants us to do. But once we move from the core outward toward the crust, from the core to the crust, you catch it? The crust fights us. It doesn't go along with what's now changed at the deepest level. And so therefore the great question is, how do I get what is now true of me at the deepest level to become true of me in the way that I act and react in the midst of this life? God has changed me. The natural man who has not found Christ as Savior cannot say at the deepest level of their life that they delight in the law of the Lord. No. Uh, but what they can say <laughs> at the deepest level is, I'd like to run my own life and be the God of my own life. Uh, God has changed us. So that's where we start. God has truly changed us, which makes us actually more miserable in this war that we're talking about, because now we don't want to give in to what is displeasing to God what is sinful and contrary to the purposes of God. So there's the first truth. The second truth that we looked at and developed a bit in our last time together was this, that while God has changed us at the core, our bodies have not changed. <laughs> New at the core, but God has left us in a body that is still a fallen body. And more than that, he's left us to live out this life in a fallen world. He doesn't take us to heaven right away. We're here in the midst of sin and temptation and the corruption that is there. In fact, even more than that, he's left us still in a place where we have spiritual warfare going on. All right, to catch the point, God's changed us at the core. <laughs> but the core is now living in a body that hasn't changed, in a world that hasn't changed, and with an enemy who hasn't changed. Explains a lot, doesn't it? So God's wanting us to be realistic about it. And he's also reminding us that this physical body that he's left us in, and the way that we think, our mindsets, have been habituated, meaning we've created habits of behavior, habits of thinking, habits that were developed during those years before we had a new core. And 
Those habits continue to plague us because those habits align with who we used to be, the old man, the old self, rather than aligning with the new man that we are, the new core. That old self, therefore, is still alive and kicking. It's influencing and trying to influence how we think, how we act, and how we react. Now, the third thing that we saw, the third truth last time, is that even though changed at the core, even though left in a, still in a fallen body, in a fallen world, attacked by an enemy of our souls, sin continues to oppose us inside. Verse 17 that I read to you, Paul says that my sin, sin dwells within me. Verse 21, he says, evil lies close at hand. Sin is alive and kicking in us. And that's why when we want to do right, there's a battle that rages. Sin doesn't want us to do right. Satan doesn't want us to do right. Our old self doesn't want us to do right. And certainly the culture around us doesn't want us to live pleasing to God. They want us to live in conformity to it. So you say that's the reason for much of this struggle. We continue to face opposition and temptation and sin in our day-to-day walk. Well, a lot could be said about each of those truths, and we did talk about them the last time. Go back and review it, uh, and I think it would be helpful for you so that it would be fresh. But let's move on now and find out what else this final part of the seventh chapter is telling us. The fourth truth that emerges in this passage is this. God wants me to remind myself that the truth is I am still of the flesh. Verse 14 says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. Now, this is in a way a summary of some of these other truths that we've looked at. God is saying through Paul in this particular case, that we live and must live with the reality of a physical body that is still influenced by the old man, still influenced by temptation, still influenced by the enemy. It's not just the new person that we become, that new creation, that's seeking to control our behavior and influence us, but the old one is still doing that as well. Now, this doesn't mean that I have to sin. It doesn't mean that I have to give in to that old man, that old flesh, and the temptations that come with it. It doesn't mean I have to do that, but it does mean I have to contend with it. It won't go away because I simply pray and say, God, don't let these temptations be there. Don't let the old self try to tempt me and pull me into old ways of living. No, no. Uh, It's not God's plan yet to change the reality of that warfare. So we need to be realistic about it. Don't be in denial about those realities in your own life. Don't be surprised by the warfare that you encounter the battle. In verse 23, he puts it in that sort of terminology. He says, I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind. Do you see the imagery? (laughs) There's a war going on between this new self inside wanting to please God, wanting to do what God wants. And the members of our body, the physical things, the the habituated patterns of behavior, and also our own thinking, our brains, that have been programmed by many years of living in opposition to what God wants. 
So there's a clear warfare going on within us between the old self and the new self, between the new self and temptations for sin that still come from the world around us, still come from Satan, and that continuing pull, of course, of the old man. The old man in us, the old self, wants us to align with sin. It wants us to be pulled back into the old patterns of our life, the old ways of thinking, the old ways of acting. And it doesn't give in on that battle. It doesn't want to give up. It'll keep contesting with us in order to gain the mastery once again in life as we live it out in this world. And the fact of the matter is, in this battle, Paul's very candid here under direction of the Holy Spirit. In this battle, we too often lose the battle. In verse 15, he puts it, I don't understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. In other words, that's a lost battle. You ended up doing what you hated. In verse 19, he says, uh, I do not want, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. In other words, there again, the fact of the matter is, too often we lose in the battle. Verse 23 puts it this way, I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind, making me a captive to the law of sin. <laughs> All too often we lose the battle. Has that been the characteristic of your life? <laughs> it's a characteristic of all believers. And verse 24 summarizes what that reality makes us feel like. Let me read it to you. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? All right. God says, let's be realistic. I've made you new at the core, but your crust is still not new. It is still influenced. It is the flesh. The old man, sin, temptation still gets at us. And when we lose the battle, when what we want to do at our deepest core is not what we end up doing or saying, then we feel terrible. We feel guilty. It makes us feel like a failure, like a hypocrite. It makes us feel wretched. And then that's the word that's used here. Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, who'll deliver me from this body of death? In other words, who'll get me out of this battle? Who will help me to have victory in the battle uh, and eventually get to the point where there is no battle? Who will help me? Who will help me? And here's the point, brothers and sisters, if you've truly been redeemed, if you have truly come to know Christ as Savior, you will have those same feelings inside. If an individual has no such feeling when they are sinning or when they are just being complacent as a believer, then one has to wonder, have you ever been changed at all? Because when God makes us new creations, saves us, transforms us. At the core, even though the battle's going on, at the core, we want to do what God wants us to do. And when we don't do it, which will happen far too often, we feel wretched. I'm always concerned for the person who claims to be a believer, who doesn't feel wretched when they are resisting the Lordship of Christ, when they are resisting doing what pleases God, when they are giving in to wrong ways of thinking, wrong ways of acting. Listen, God says, you're going to be wretched if you've been truly saved. 
when you are failing in the battle, when you are losing the battle? Are you wretched in that experience in your life? Can you amen what Paul, under direction of the Holy Spirit, is saying here about his day-to-day realities and day-to-day experience? Well, that's truth number four, reminding ourselves that we are, in fact, still in the flesh, and this battle is going to continue to go on. And as a result, we're going to stumble, we're going to fail at times, and we're going to feel wretched about it. Then pleading with God to somehow solve this problem for us. The fifth truth is this. The new self, the new man that we've become, cannot by itself win this battle. And this is a revolutionary thing to grasp. God is saying to us, I've made you a new creation inside, but you cannot win this battle by yourself. You cannot do it. You cannot, even though you've become new at the core, you cannot win the battle that's going on with the members of your body, with temptation and with sin, the old self. You can't do it in your own strength. Verse 18, he put it this way, For I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. Verse 15, I often find myself doing what I hate. Uh, Verse 19, the evil I don't want to do is what I keep doing. Verse 24, I'm captive to the law of sin that dwells in me. (laughs) God says, listen, you cannot win in this battle. We serve God now in our minds because of becoming new creations in the Lord Jesus Christ. But in far too many cases, our day-to-day walk, how we behave, how we think, is serving sin, serving the old self. We lack the necessary power to operationalize what our heart wants to do. Our mind thinks this, our heart wants to please God, (laughs) but we just can't seem to get those unruly members under control. We want what's right at the deepest level of who we are, but we end up far too frequently doing just the opposite. And so the question being posed here by Paul is a legitimate question and a good one. Who will deliver me from this body of death? I've already been delivered in the sense that I'm a new creation at the deepest level. My core has been changed. I don't need deliverance there. I've already been delivered there. (coughs) Excuse me. But I'm not changed at the crust. Who will deliver me? Now notice the way the question is posed. It's who, not what. Isn't it interesting? Who will deliver me? And the Bible then explains to us it is a who. Because there will be a person who will deliver us the third person of the triune God. The Father, the Son, the third person is the Holy Spirit. God's plan, since he's left us here in this world, still in fallen bodies in a fallen world, filled with spiritual battle and warfare, he's left us here, but he has had his Holy Spirit indwell us so that now our new self, our new core, has an ally the indwelling Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who will enable us to do what we simply cannot do in our own strength. 
God says victory can happen. Victory in these battles, this warfare, can occur in your life, but it will not happen because of your own strength. It will not happen because you simply grit your teeth and try to do a better job. It'll not happen because you just try to stiffen yourself and fight the battle better. No, no. It's going to happen when you realize there's no way that the core's desire, which is to please God, can really become a real experience for you apart from the enabling of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need the Holy Spirit's help. You need that enablement. We need the Holy Spirit's strength. And the Holy Spirit's strength is not available to us merely because we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But when we meet the conditions for that Holy Spirit's power to then work cooperatively with us to enable what's true now in our core to win the battle with the members of our body. Do you see the principle? And it ought not to surprise you that the big chunk of chapter 8 of the book of Romans, which we'll be turning to, is given over to talking to us about the Holy Spirit and the importance of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does within us and how the Holy Spirit's enablement is linked to winning the battle that Romans chapter 7 is talking about. God promises you and I victory in this battle. But the victory comes not because we desire victory only. It doesn't matter how much we pray at the altar for victory. It won't happen for that reason. It will happen only as the Holy Spirit who indwells us now will empower us. Victory over sin, victory over temptation, victory over our fallen members of our body, victory over the world that surrounds us, victory over the enemy of our souls, all requires the enabling of the Holy Spirit. God's indwelling Holy Spirit is there to enable us with grace to face life. Now, the Holy Spirit is doing more than that, working in the fruit of our life and in production. He's working through spiritual gifts and so forth. But nonetheless, a central task of the Holy Spirit, the central purpose for the Holy Spirit indwelling us is to enable us. And far too many believers true believers now. No one's indwelt by the Holy Spirit who isn't a believer. And no one who's a believer is not indwelt. But far too many who are indwelt are not empowered because they are not meeting those conditions to allow the Holy Spirit's power to strengthen them in the battlefield. Victory over sin, victory over our fallen bodies, and so forth will take that. But that enabling of the Spirit rests upon two things. Number one, a surrender of the control of our life to God, presenting our body as a living sacrifice. Later on in Romans 12.1, he'll in fact say, in light of all of the things we're looking at, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. In other words, we have to make a choice to present our body as a living sacrifice. And secondly, we have to make a choice to then, in cooperation with the Holy Spirit's help, step out in obedience to do the things that please God. Those things that are now prompted by the deepest core that we are. When we do that, what's been changed at our core will begin to influence our crust. The ways that we think 
in the ways that we act, in the ways that we react, the ways that we speak. Then we'll begin to discover change. Some of the constant defeat is gradually done away with and replaced by victory in the battle. But it all comes back again to a determination to be surrendered, drawing upon the enabling Holy Spirit's power, and by volitional choice, choosing the life of obedience that pleases the Lord. That deliverance, that solution, is the focal point of the next chapter. So, have you felt, like Paul describes here, O wretched man that I am, (laughs) who will deliver me from this body of death, this warfare and battle? If you've ever felt that way, you've got good news. God says, I got the answer. I can deliver you. Oh, that deliverance right now is not going to mean I'm going to take you out of this world. It's not going to mean I'm going to take you out of a body, a fallen body that's susceptible to sin. I'm not going to take you out of the fallen world. I'm not going to take you away from the attacks of the enemy of our soul. But what I can do and will do is I will allow my Holy Spirit to indwell you. And if you surrender and draw upon that enabling Holy Spirit's power as you step out in obedience, you will find strength that you did not have to be able to carry out now the dictates and desires of the new core, the new creation that you've become. Does all that make sense to you? I hope so. Reflect on it. Go back to it and reflect on it more. And I invite you to join with me, Lord willing, next week, next Wednesday, as we open and begin to open chapter 8 and the words of victory for the wretched believer. (laughs) God bless.